Tell me, Sardo. How can hmm. I be your hero when my dick is as big as a shoe? I, I don't know, Strauss. You're just a multi-platinum Krillionaire, I guess. Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I wish. Hi, everyone. I'm Almighty Strauss, or just Strauss. That's Sardo. Uh, hey. This episode was going to be something else <laughs> until, like, three days ago. Actually... I'm going to read what what I'm gonna I'm gonna go by a blow by blow of what, how what, how this episode came to be because this was this is a little different from what we usually have. Mm-hmm. So, is Sardo your this is your vacation week? It is. And uh, three day actually it was three days ago. <laughs> it was literally three days ago, <laughs> according to the timeline. <laughs> so. What happens is uh, three days ago was uh, Tuesday. On on Monday, after you were done streaming and we, were, and we said our goodbyes, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what, what do we want to do for the podcast this week? And I'm like, well, you're off, so this is a good time to, you know, we're going to finish Cyberpunk Edge Runners. We're just going to watch that. It's a good time to do it. We gave it enough space from the first episode. And that's when I discovered, looking it up, that the Metalocalypse finale is is out literally that Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. quite literally, in all caps, I had to say, hey, we have to pivot. <laughs> and so but we hey, did. <laughs> look at us doing something timely for a change. Yeah, we haven't done that since well long, I think. Or, well, Barbie, Barbie oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Barbie and kind of across the Spider Verse, but we certainly took our sweet time on those last two. Well, long was but the most like actually timely that we had. This is fresh out of the oven, though. Yeah, this this is, this is the week of. We haven't done that like ever. So, I mean, we talked about Hank yeah. stories a whole like four two years later. <laughs> But we we watched this new Metalocalypse movie. And Strauss, what's your history with Metalocalypse? Like, are you... Have you been a big watcher? Yeah, I've seen all of it. It's been a while, but I had seen mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. I remember watching it when it would premiere on Sea Adult Swims. Not so late at night. I mean, I guess that depends how you define late. I'm probably not the right school. person to ask for that. <laughs> I was in high school when I got into Metalocalypse, and I mean, same. I, I fell very much in love with it. Uh, I've watched all of it. It's mm. it's also been a bit for me, but I love the show. And there's still a lot that going back to this with the movie, I got a little bit nostalgic. It's like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> I mean, I guess at first we should probably explain for our more casual and less weird viewers. Slash mm-hmm. listeners. Uh, hi, Mom. Hi, Strauss's Mom. Hi. This this is for you. Uh, what is Metalocalypse, Sir Sardo of Blickenspiel? Metalocalypse is an animated series about a band named Death Clock. Death Clock is a metal group. Death Clock consists of several individuals that you hear in the theme song. Uh, there's Nathan Explosion, the frontman. There's Squiscar Squigelf, who is the lead guitarist. Toki Wartooth, also a guitarist, but not as good as Squiscar. There's William Murderface, who plays bass. And then Pickles Drummer. And doodly-doo. Do-do-doodly-doo. And-, and they are the most successful band that ever existed, ever. They have a fanatical following. They have legions of devoted henchmen who work for them and they're just kind of stupid they're 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 just they're like i think the best way to put it is that they are somehow stupidly successful while about having about the combined intelligence of one adult human being it's that's my turn on the brain cell but between <laughs> Five people. Five not-so-intelligent people who are unlikely to use it even if you give it to them. And usually their chief brain cell holder is their manager, CFO, Charles Foster Odinson. 
who really Hawkinson. is the uh, who is the only one who is usually of any real intelligence because the the joke of of the series is that death clock is what happens when a metal band consisting of not intelligent human beings you know just musicians artists people who of you know, great artistic endeavor, but not necessarily incredible intelligence. Get not way too famous, and and not a whole lot of connection to the real world. They have not lived in the real world for a very long time. Like when this story begins, we learn that they are. We're not at the rise of Death Clock. We're in the middle of it. We're basically they're so big they they're jokingly the twelfth largest economy on the planet themselves <laughs> yes it's basically what would happen if the beatles were even were like a hundred times bigger and a death metal band led by dumbasses incredibly stupid men <laughs> and and they've all got their issues i would say pickles is the most intelligent out of the band itself but Pickles is also a chronic alcoholic. I, I think the best way to define the band's intelligence level is we start at the bottom of the least intelligent, who is Murderface. Yes. Who, the problem with Murderface is that he has a massive ego for somebody who is just only good at playing the bass. And you, you, the, the joke is that you can't even hear the bass. Yeah. They turn him down because they're like, he's, he's a good bass player, but it's just like, he's really here because he was at the founding of the band, not because he's necessarily that good. Yeah. <laughs> then there's Toki, who is not so much because he's not intelligent, it's just because he's the most, he's the youngest member of the group. The uh, second baby. guitarist, he is baby, and that extends to basically a lot of his life. He's baby baby he's baby he's also the nicest member here and he really likes clowns for some reason <laughs> yeah it, it's it's a thing and i'd say next you have squizgar squiz now i will say squizgar nathan and pickles are of relatively similar intelligence moderate average intelligence they are they it, they are the most adjusted members except for the fact that a pickles is an alcoholic infamously <laughs> so there's a whole episode where he goes to rehab that's a rock <laughs> opera and it's great <laughs> we're pretty sure tenacious d was there oh yeah i'm, I'm 100 yeah, and certain and then you have squizgar who due to his daddy issues this is not well adjusted, but is otherwise very talented and smart. He's he's like a guitar virtuoso, and he's kind of got the Ingwe Malmsteen thing going on, and he's also a massive slut. Uh, yeah. And then there's Nathan, who you know he's he's not the most intelligent human being, but you know he's out of all five members the most adjusted to society. He's just he he's not dumb. He just takes a while to learn things. Yeah. He, he, he just he just needs a little extra time. But other than that, he's actually pretty. He's he's average intelligence. He's as the series goes on, you actually find out he's more normal than you would think. Yeah, the, the 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 whole joke of the series is that they live in this incredibly ridiculous house. Everything is like, what if a death metal album cover was a real place you go to? Mm-hmm. And as we learn, they're very actually normal human beings <laughs> and then there's pickles pickles who is i think the the smartest i would say he's um, he's definitely the one who is the most consistently really it's him and nathan are the two most intelligent members of the band in terms of like allowing to be smart if you have to make one of them order for everybody at the drive-thru. It's probably going to be Pickles. Mind you, because they probably would not understand Nathan. <laughs> yes. Because Nathan talks like this at all times. Nathan this is Explosion what he sounds is like. My... Nathan Explosion is my headcanon Lubu voice. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's basically, uh, like, it's not that Nathan can't do it. It's just that no one would understand him through the drive-thru intercom. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> 
And also, he doesn't like talking to people for very long. He's, he, he, he's he, not a very loquacious gentleman, yeah. is our Nathan. <laughs> like, if this was a D&D party, if first things first, they would basically either all be bards who multi-class into barbarian or barbarian who all who multi-class into bard. Yes. Except Toki. <laughs> Toki's is a paladin. <laughs> it's true. Oh, wowee. <laughs> but basically, Metalocalypse is basically following their misadventures that end up increasingly violent. It's it's a very violent show. It's, well, it's it was, true. except for season three, which because at the same time Super Jail was airing, which was also absurdly violent. Mm-hmm. for comedy's sake so they're like we can't have both of these going at the same time so they got a lot more introspective but it also is a source of some of my favorite lines like pickles immortal no drink the bleach <laughs> we drink the bleach <laughs> but basically all basically the story of metalocalypse as a tv series is all of them are going through their problems and their weird issues of being a band mm-hmm which includes, like, trouble writing an album, being weird, like, getting depressed so they sing the blues and have and negotiate with the blues devil. And they also meet basically Robert Johnson. He's, he's mashed potato Johnson here, yeah. but... And, uh, there's a lot. It, Metalocalypse as a whole show is a whole lot. It's... If it's not for everyone, because Yalis have to kind of be into death metal to even listen to it for a long enough time. And the guests they get on there to do voices. Like, I was looking at the credits for the movie, and there's there's a lot of people who regularly voice stuff, too. Like, they got Mark fucking Hamill for this. They got Amy Lee from Evanescence. Uh, Kirk like, Hammett from Metallica's here. Yeah. King Diamond from, I believe that's Pantera. Mm-hmm. But it, which was normal because Metalocalypse was actually like very well loved by metalheads because well it's absurd and kind of making fun of metal in a way but it was like from a place of love it's it's a loving loving ribbing of it yeah, and it, the it, soundtrack it, fucks yeah it, the key was the music like Brandon Smalls the creator and I believe one of the founders of Titmouse and animation mm-hmm. was like the mute who also does all the singing for the album. So when they actually did tour, which I have seen, by the way, in 2009, that, it, was, it was awesome. Oh my God. Kick ass. Yeah. It was them and Mastodon. Great, great combo. And they were opened up by high on fire for me, which was also awesome. But anyway, like he wanted to make sure the mu- they wanted to make sure the music was good. Like one of the things that's funny is if you watch the show, all the finger placement on the guitar is like, a hundred percent accurate to how you would play it. It's it's really amazing how much effort they put into it. it for it's it's a thing of love, and and for essentially a comedy show. Yeah, it, it was like we're going to be making fun of metal, but it's going to come from like a metalhead's perspective of what like is silly about metal. Yeah, and that's why metalheads really enjoyed it. Also, because the music slaps. It's true. All four Death albums. I haven't listened to the new one yet. I should do that. I'm going to do that after this. (laughs) We're all, like, the highest selling death metal albums of all time. (laughs) By a wide margin. (laughs) And if you listen to it, it's not hard to understand why. It's like, yeah, it's it's goofy and the topics are ridiculous, but they're like, "Ah, wow, there's a lot of, like, effort put into making this actually, like, sound like a good metal album. It it sounds great. Let me see some of the track names. Yeah. <laughs> There's some choice selections. There we go. So this is from the first death album. Which if I remember uh, we got... had Mermaid Murder on it, which is actually oh. from the show. It it is. Uh we have Thunder Horse. I remember that uh, one. Fa- Fan song, The Lost mm. Vikings, Mermaider. It's it's about mermaid murder. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, Go forth and die. Hatred copter. That song uh, is actually really good. <laughs> it's uh, and pickles pickles's voice actor sings on that, and it which is it also Brandon fucks. Smalls. 
Yes. It's all just it's all just Brandon Smalls. He's doing a lot of work here. A uh, briefcase full of guts. Face fisted, bloodrecuted, and birthday death day, to to name a few. And understand, and if, you, if you listen to enough metal, especially death metal, you're used to this. And they pull from a lot of different metal types. Like, there's definitely references to things like Cannibal Corpse, Hammer Smashed Face. Like, Face um, Fisted is just, like, Hammer Smashed Face. Not, like, musically, but, like, name-wise, at the very yes. least. They, they know what they're talking about when they, when they parody this stuff, is the point. Yeah, but it's one of those things where Metalocalypse got like that cult following from Metalheads because it was affectionate. Well, like, like, because like Metalheads know how silly metal can be. Yeah, they're fully aware. At least the good ones. Yeah, I mean, I'd I wouldn't consider myself a full-on metalhead, but I'm definitely somebody who enjoys a lot of metal. So yeah. So, what happened was, the season three happened, and I think there was a season four? Mm-hmm. It was very, like, brief. I remember it, like, only being a few episodes. Or something like that. Yeah. And then they're like, well, we're gonna finish this up with a movie. And a movie came out, and it was kind of inconclusive. It was like, there's gonna be another movie. And then there was nothing for, uh... Literal years? <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a bit. And a lot of that was because uh, Metalocalypse was started in, like, the mid-2000s, and, like, a lot changed at the network, and that always happens when you have changes at the network. Right. Like, shit gets lost in the shuffle. But over time, there was, like, in the modern day, they're like, but what if? And so it had. And so we got Army of the Doomstar, the ending to Metalocalypse, the final this, episode. Uh, it was the finale. Yeah, the, the, the final movie, the last. And what a fucking banger to go out on, Strauss. First of all, beautiful movie. Yeah, no. Really good looking movie. Like, Metalocalypse has always was, uh, unlike, if you've ever watched a lot of Adult Swim programming, especially it's animated programming, like, part of the joke is it's kind of cheap. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, the two shows that define how cheap Adult Swim shows usually are would be, uh, from its very early days, and you're gonna agree with me when I say this, and those are, number one, Space Ghost, Ghost, Coast to Ghost. Yes. And Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, was reused animation from Hanna-Barbera shows. Specifically, uh, Space Ghost. But it it was a talk show. Like a late-night talk show like Conan O'Brien. And all of it was just reused animation all the time. Yeah. And the other is uh, C-Lab 2021. Mm -hmm. Which was also just a whole bunch of reused animation from the shows. This Hanna-Barbera show known as C-Lab. 2020. It was it was a lot of Hanna-Barbera shit Frankenstein together, and that was kind of the, the quality level that they were operating on, and it, by it and would large. basically be like that, and even, like, the, uh, the first major, like, original hit mm-hmm. would be, uh, like, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which was yes. also made on the cheap. Like, a lot of stuff was reused. Like, they almost never left... The, like, the three locations they ever would be at. And I'd say even as budgets got bigger and stuff sort of became a little more quality-wise, Adult Swim's never been known for animation that makes you go, wow, that's beautiful. Like, there's some stuff... I think Super Jail was, like, very interestingly animated. I wouldn't say it was, like, it, there... gorgeous, pretty animation, but it's interesting. Well, because, like, Adult Swim was late at night, ridiculous, kind of stonery, mm-hmm. and, but Metalocalypse was always stood out because it looked, like, the most, like, a, like, high-end budget cartoon, though it, you could tell it wasn't, because no one moves yeah. around. There's a lot of talking scenes, where not a lot happens. Yes. But a lot of hilarious things are said. 
the writing is very funny. I think they they kind of tend to where the where they blow their load is on the uh, on the violent parts. Yeah, <laughs> because... on the violence <laughs> and the music parts is where all the animation budget goes for any particular one episode. Yes, and so when it got to a movie, they, that's still kind of there, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot more people move around a lot more in this one movie than on, like, I would say the whole first season. (laughs) There's action shit and, like, good framing and good backgrounds and everything looks really beautiful. And, like, it is... It is a really, really impressive-looking movie, I feel like. I was impressed. And always, like, the other thing that made Metalocalypse work was its art style. Yes. And as an art style... Like, because its art style was, like... Okay, we're trying to make an al- like a death metal logo real like look like in real life. Mm-hmm. And it's also because like all the characters have like they they look like real people. Like Nathan yeah. is a large man, but he looks like a normal like big bodied person. Like yeah, like. There's there's a nice variety of body types with the band, and everybody just looks kind of real, kind of gritty isn't the right word. Everybody looks a little ugly, and, and I think that works. It, like ugly in the sense that they don't they that they look like normal people. Yeah, I, and with like their own styles, like the only one who I would say is unattractive. Would be Murderface, but that's kind of the point. It's he's supposed to be kind of gross. Kind of looks like he smells bad. <laughs> yes, like he has kind of like goofy hair, a weird mustache. He's pudgy. I mean, he's supposed to be unpleasant on purpose. But the overall... only the only one who's supposed to be like actually in shape and good looking is actually Toki. There's a whole episode where they do fashion. And, like, the only person who fits in their outfit is Toki, who's the only one who's still in shape because he hasn't been at this long enough to, like, ruin his body with drugs and partying. He's he's just a little guy. Except for the part where he's, like, six foot two. Other than that. Yeah. He's a little guy in spirit. Yes. But the... The, the movie starts off on kind of a low note for the main characters because they have gone through an incredibly traumatic incident with I and again this is where I I could I could piece together the the events that it oh yeah we we, that... we we forgot a very important detail that will help explain what we're about to talk about mm-hmm. uh during the entire series there's this like secret order that is made of like world leaders and stuff that's following death clock and trying to make sure that they don't succeed or they do succeed depending on what, what their goal is. Yeah. We, we should mention that. That's kind of important. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's true. Try to skip that part. Uh, anyway, continue. But we start with, uh, Toki had been kidnapped and they went through this horrible, horrible series of events and everybody ended up traumatized. Nathan, in particular, really had a rough time, and he basically has a huge mental breakdown. Uh, he's traumatized, and the the band had promised upon Toki's return that they were going to put out a new album and do a world tour, and then Nathan basically collapses and has to be hospitalized, and the fans are pissed off that they're not getting what was promised to them, because... The band is understandably pretty fucked up. <laughs> and it needs to be noted that throughout the series that that Death Clock as a band is so high up. Like, part one of the jokes is that they're so high and mighty. And, like, because they're so famous that they're like, they feel they're above everybody. And they treat their fans like shit. it's a very antagonistic relationship going both directions. Yes. Because, like, their fans are rabid, crazy people half the time, and they're the entire world. (laughs) And if you've ever been in the entire world, people are kind of (laughs) nuts. 
It's true. And in return, Death Clock's just like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And so in the movie, Nathan's having a bit of a mental breakdown. And Pickles is trying to keep things together. Because usually when Nathan's not around, it like if leadership goes, Nathan, then Pickles, and then I guess mm -hmm. Squizgar. And then who knows? <laughs> but but if, if you're by... If you're at Squiscar at that point, everything is, it's Jover, you know? Yeah, every, every, everything has gone, gone tits up and it's bad. So Pickles is basically momming everybody and trying to keep things in order. Toki has basically regressed to a childlike state and he's, he's freaking out and he's still very Upset by his experience. Squiscar is totally checked out. Murderface is... Murderface. Mur Murderface murder face is the only one who stays relatively consistent through a lot of this of being... Murderface. But anyway... Just... Oh, go for it. I was gonna say, he's just Murderface. Anyway. Yeah, just... But yeah, so they eventually... They pull themselves together just enough to go to a secret location run by a specialized spiritual guru after Nathan fails to propose to a, a character named Abigail who appeared up in, like, season three. And it didn't go well. He got rejected, and he didn't take it super well. He was not in a good place. <laughs> no, he was, he was in a horrible place. He was in no shape to be proposing to anyone. But, yeah, so basically they go in, they found out it's their old friend Nubbler, Dick Nubbler. Dick Nubbler, who has uh, helped made most of their albums since uh, the album for Fish, which was episode two of the series. <laughs> we even get a Dr. Roxo cameo, briefly. He's the he, rock and roll he sings clown. A song. He does cocaine. He's bass actor David Lee Roth. <laughs> and every second of him on the screen is. It's. He's. He's agonizing to watch. I don't mean that in, a, in like a bad way. He is just agonizing to watch. He is uncomfortable in all the ways a character who is clearly designed to be like too much. He he does cocaine. He does <laughs> cocaine. It's all you really need to know. If you want to find out more, go watch the series. There's whole episodes about him. <laughs> because he's a fan favorite because he's so ridiculous. And he... <laughs> And he talks like this. <laughs> I, I've i done too much practice for that voice. Brandon, hire uh. me. <laughs> but yeah, basically, so they go to the secret training facility. Surprise, it's Nubbler. And they try to, like, write the song that will save the world. Which is because... hilariously very similar to the last movie of the Bill and Ted franchise. <laughs> These are basically the same plot, but the stakes are very different. <laughs> you know, if if the plot works, then it works. And it <laughs> works well enough for what we have here. Oh, boy, howdy. But yeah, um, we also learned during this time that Murderface is being possessed by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Like... Started with an S. It's 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 not Salazar. That that's Resident Evil Four. Salesa. Yeah, Salesa. He was this, as we learned throughout the series, is not human. He's like this weird monsterman. He's a wizard. He's an evil Indeed. wizard monster guy. And as we know from Wo Long, you can never go wrong with evil wizards. Yeah, nothing bad ever happens when an evil wizard shows up. But, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, Murderface is being possessed, and he's, like, Salace is using him to, like, gain information and sabotage Death Clock and their efforts to create the Song of Salvation that will prevent the Metalocalypse from happening. Hey, title drop. Yay. So, basically, what happens is... Over time through the movie is that like things go wrong and keep going wrong. They sing the wrong song because Nathan's hasn't been able to like put it together because he's been going through it because mm -hmm. he's the only one who remembers what happened. Yeah. 
Everyone else kind of like has their minds blocked, and Nathan's like, "Oh God, I just witnessed all horrible things that my former bandmate said." I remember everything. Yeah. And in the end, it goes wrong. The Metalocalypse comes, and they're like, shit, we're all going to die. But, uh, oh god, what's the military officer's name? The, the, the fucking... The general, basically. Uh, yeah, the general, yeah. I don't remember his name, so I'm gonna look it up. But he's like, I've been freed from his mind control. <laughs> he does not sound he's... like that. He sounds like a, a gruff, like, hey, I'm, I'm the general. <laughs> Celeste was mind controlling me, but when when he hopped over to Murderface, I was free. So and, Which, and like, then I okay, that makes sense. <laughs> you know what? That works. That that's totally a logical thing that could happen. <laughs> We're dealing yeah. with a wizard here, so you know it's like all right, that makes sense. That that's a good way to do that. Crozier, that's his name, General Crozier. Crozier, yeah. He's one of the members of the Evil Council, and from like day one, and he, but he was like the new member. And he sort of catches on to things, thinks that, you know, hey, something doesn't smell right here. And he looks into it more and basically gets found out by the leads of that. And so he's kind of on the run and doing his thing. So he's there to help them now. He's yeah. here to help Death Clock. And, uh, yeah, and he helps out in the end, uh, basically, to cut a long story short. The band gets together, solves the problem, and goes, we did it. They, the, and right when it looks like, but they get captured after they sing the Song of Salvation. They get captured by the evil tribunal, as I believe they're called. Mm -hmm. And they're like, going to be sacrificed to get Salacia his power. And... and they they manage to escape with a lot of help <laughs> from the fans from the fans who are the real the, the... army of the doomstar the entire time <laughs> and there's a really big fight scene and it's really cool i i thought it was great uh oftensen is there and he's like a priest now for the uh death army's forces yeah. And he has a big fight with like the the other bad guy in the charge of like Orlog. Yes. Who it, and... w replaced a different character who who af after they were trying to betray the tribunal was killed off and replaced by yeah. a guy played by Malcolm McDowell, which you know which means he's evil. And he's very hammy and it's great. It's wonderful. Actually, this is like the least hammy he's been in a while. That's yeah, but but still fairly hammy. Hammy in a normal way, though. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, what happens is the fans show up and they're like, "We're here to save Death Clock," and they save Death Clock, and they stop Salacia from becoming the evil monster man with the help of a giant whale. This might be the it greatest save the whales movie I've seen since Star Trek Four. I this is my one chance to make this joke. Oh my god. And overall, you know, it's it's a happy ending. Death Death Clock saves us and saves all the world. And then it's... at the final minute when Nathan's making a speech, he's like, Oh, you're the army of the Doomstar. Wow, I just really put that together. He's just a and little slow. Is... He's just a little slow. It just takes him time to learn stuff. He said so himself. Yeah. And it, this is probably, like, one of the things that this film, I think, really also hammers home is that they're a family, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they use is, it's with Murder Face. It's like, but I suck. And they're like, yes, your sucking is important. You're the voice of dissent. You keep us <laughs> balanced. You they suck. Might not, you just they might not hear the band, the bass, but they can feel it. <laughs> Got that, bass players? You are important. Bass players are very important. I mean, have you seen Les Claypool play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you were going to say something? But this is a, it's a big character arc for Nathan, especially. I think it's 
significant for everybody in the band, but this is this is Nathan's show right here. This is Nathan's movie. Yeah. It's this one long, elongated Nathan episode. And I really liked it. I, I liked seeing kind of him change as a character. I I thought it was nice that they included his parents in there, too, because Nathan actually does have a surprisingly good relationship with his parents. Fucking love my dad. Okay, so to explain, one of the jokes throughout the series... Is that, like, all of them have, like, parental issues except, really, Nathan, who just is annoyed by his parents in a very normal (laughs) way. His parents are, like, very everyday, normal people. Very loving. Like, he's just embarrassed by his mom. He loves his dad because his dad's cool. There's a whole episode about, like, Squizgar trying to find who was without his father, and it's, like, literally comes off the heels of Toki's father dying, like, two episodes earlier. Mm-hmm. And, like, Murderface's father killed his mother and then himself. Pickles' father and him do not like each other. They're... Pickles has a bad relationship with his family. <laughs> uh, an incredibly bad relationship with his family. Starting with the fact that his brother was loved more than him, despite the fact that he's successful and his brother is a (laughs) fuck-up. A massive fuck-up. Like, no matter how bad I think I screw up, at least I am not Pickle's brother, Seth. (laughs) You're not, you're not Seth. (laughs) I'm not Seth. And then, uh, then there's Nathan, who's like, I fucking love my dad. And there's a montage of them doing fun stuff together. And having a great time. That's awesome. It's very cute. It's extremely cute. Like Nathan's okay. Nathan Explosion is a cute character. I'm. I. He's. Are you calling the boys of Metalocalypse Moe? They. He's. He's a little Moe. All right. Toki's the most Moe out of all of them easily. But Nathan's a little Moe. I'm sorry for anyone who doesn't know what that means. I'm there... sorry that 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 is not an inaccurate statement. They're very cute and endearing in their own ways, even Murderface. Yeah, but like the point is, after it's all said and done, the world is saved and Metalocalypse is finally finished. So, Sardo, did you? Yes, like Ross. It? I did. I liked it a lot. I I, I really I did too. I'm glad you wanted to see this because I was very impressed. It, I don't know. Like I, again, I feel very nostalgic because I used to watch Metalocalypse all the time growing up and this was a nice return to form. Yeah. And I I think like one of the things that this movie makes you really appreciate is how like different Metalocalypse looked from a lot Mm -hmm. of shows. And not just at the time, but even to this day, like it's 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 art style and art direction are vastly different because it pulls a lot oh, from yeah. like album covers and like what rock music as like an art style, not not as like a music style, but like an like a physical art style. Yeah. So it's stuff it's... like like it stuff is surreal. There's a lot of color. And there's just beautiful use of of shape and form in things. And like, yes, this this looks and feels how it should be to be in in a in an album cover for a metal group. Absolutely, it, it does feel like this is what an like an album cover would look like if it came to life. Yes, literally. It, it was dope as hell. I'm so glad I got to see it. Yeah, and, and what I think is also really fun about it when you when you watch it mm-hmm. is that it's very like you you really get to appreciate how much like went into making it look a specific way, like because you watch a lot of it like because you know of all the shows we've watched over the years and for this very podcast of which. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. 
is that like it it looks so different from like any of the American shows you'll watch, any of the Japanese shows we're gonna watch. It looks a very specific way. Because like the characters are supposed to be normal people. Like no no one's exaggerated, no one's like super sexy, except technically Toki. Toki's supposed to be the hot one. And he, he doesn't like stick out overly much. Yeah. It's only when he takes his shirt off. Which is yes. very Ned Flanders of him. Stupid sexy Toki. <laughs> and Squizgar's cheekbones. But it's... There's a lot of love that clearly went into the creation of this and the thought process behind it and the whole aesthetic. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but it's certainly mine. And I'm going to take a good long drink of it because I liked it. Yeah. No, I think I, I, it looks great. It's fun. The music is awesome as per usual. Like it, it, there's one thing that never changed about Metalocalypse, no matter how good or bad a season was, the music was always good. And it was Just fun. Bangers wall to wall. Like so good. I tampered with them. With the evidence at the murder site of Odin. That's an yes. actual title of a song. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Not just titles. So, it's also a good song. So, Strauss, I have to ask you. Yes. Uh, out of, of all the band, because we've we've talked about each individual member and their their unique points. Who was your favorite? Who's, I who's always, your favorite band member? I always loved Nathan because, like, I always found, like, the offset of, like, all these people with their problems. And then there's this Nathan who's just normally has his normal problems. And and he's the frontman, too. So, yeah. like, oh, he's going to be super fucked up. And it's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he's just a dude. He's just a dude with normal human problems, like, love life issues, weight issues. <laughs> Dealing with, like, everyone else in the band having horrible issues. <laughs> Maybe not the most gifted socially, but he doesn't need to be because he sings real good. And he has a weird sort of negative charisma that launches back into being highly charismatic. He's great. I it, do love Nathan. I mean, I love all of them. I know your favorite is Pickles, because we've talked about this yes, before. Yes, I'm... I I absolutely love pickles. I I think part of it's the the Midwest thing because like my my mom is also from the Midwest and I I I I don't know. I just I love that accent and it's like I I do love just... the episode where they go visit pickles' parents for the first time <laughs> and they have to deal with all these like Midwestern normies. They're like, "What's the difference between a car and a?" bass guitar <laughs> and it's just <laughs> the rest of them are so uncomfortable and don't want to be there and neither really does pickles but he has to be there because like his brother's getting married and stuff he has no choice <laughs> he has no choice and it, it th this is just what makes the the show great because really even if you have a favorite you kind of love all of them in their own way because you, the dynamic is so important they're a package deal <laughs> Which is They're kind of the point. Clock. They're death clock. Yeah. And, like, it's so fun because, like, one of our favorite bits that we love to quote is that, like, Murderface is trying to start a side project called Planet Piss. <laughs> and the problem is, as the joke goes, is that Murderface is actually not very talented. And he's, he just sucks. He, he just sucks. And, like, he kind of knows it. But his ego's too big for him to admit that, like, He's just not that talented, or in that way. But he tries to write songs, and it's Squizgar and Nathan, like, naming various, like, folk duos. Because he has, like, it, the joke is they call it Grandpa's Guitar. It, it, it's an acoustic guitar, and it's it's Grandpa's Guitars. <laughs> because uh, Squizgar is uh, Swedish, so he has an accent. And Toki <laughs> is Norwegian, and also has a similar-ish accent. And they call it Grandpa's Guitar. <laughs> okay, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And, and Youngs. <laughs> and sometimes Youngs. Actually, I think it's... Squizgar said Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And it's like, and sometimes Young. <laughs> There's a lot of music what? jokes throughout Why this entire... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, Simon Garfunkel. 
Where the fuck am I three people? You're really good at doing murder face, by the way. Thank you. you just, it's it's all about the spit accumulation. Yeah, I, I have too much of a dry mouth for that. <laughs> but yeah. Well, you, but... you have to work on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just take doing Nathan explosion in. Wow. And you you douchebag. Mother douchebags. Sorry yeah. about the douchebags. Got a little blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, the the entire band is that. And I think what's great, I'm glad Metalocalypse got its finale. Me too. Its proper finale. It, it was allowed to finally finish. And what a finish it was. It was the finish it deserved. Yeah. And it, the the boys can finally rest easy knowing that they saved the worlds and come together as a family and hate their fans a little bit less. <laughs> and now Nathan Explosion can get his own Netflix series where he paints Warhammer miniatures. God, he would absolutely he would absolutely be a Warhammer fan. They all would be. But but Nathan especially. Nathan especially. No, Nathan's the one who actually like could tell you the difference between Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k and how each army works. He's the one who actually plays. Everyone else just thinks it looks cool. He, uh, knowing Nathan, he'd probably either play Dark Eldar, Chaos, or the Imperial Guard. Mm. I understand you have no idea what this means, but I do, and those who do know, know... I know a little bit more about Warhammer than you think. I think Dark Eldar, totally. Well, I mean, the only reason I picked out Dark Eldar is aesthetic, but I feel like rules-wise, either wants the like big hammer fuck off gross thing or sacrifice as many units until you win thing. True. It, it, it's that or orcs, but I felt like that was too easy. Toki just steals his miniatures and has tea parties with them. Yes. To- Toki is the most like childish of the members and it's very obvious he has a teddy bear no it's a teddy bear because a teddy bear yes but still teddy it's got got a little evil it's got a little devil tail it's very cute it's very cute but that that was it for for the metalocalypse finale Strauss, thanks again yeah no that was fun it totally worth it we're, uh, I, I feel like I'll, I'll promise that in the next couple of weeks, we'll do cyberpunk edge runners. <laughs> All right. Not, not because I feel like because we were, go- we said we were going to do it on a live stream, <laughs> which you recorded. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so it's like, uh, like we did have to do this emergency pivot. So we might do it next week. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well maybe next week's episode, because we do want to finish that too. But in uh, the meantime, uh, anything else you want to say about Metal Eclipse before we go into sort of our closing bits? Ah, uh, I love it a lot. Yeah, I, I think what this movie did a really good job at is reminding me and also you that, hey, this is fun. It's goofy, it's dumb, but it's like its own thing. And there's no show quite like Metal Eclipse. There's a lot of shows with music in it. That is good music, but there's not any of them that are metal. And we love the metal. We do love the metal. And it will never die. Okay. The metal is forever. Managed to quote Tenacious D on a Metal Eclipse episode. I have succeeded in the quota. <laughs> I, I think that's right. I think that's only right. I feel it's only correct that we end on a Jack Black quote. <laughs> Because that's the most accurate thing that could happen in a Metalocalypse episode. <laughs> it may make sense. It does. It, 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 like, only a silly musician could round up a silly musician. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we got to watch this, and I'm glad that we got to, they got to finish Metalocalypse on their terms. Yes. Or as, as close to their terms as they physically could get. So, since we still got a few, some time left, Sardo. Yes, Stross. The hell you've been watching? I have been watching the new season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Finally getting caught up with that. 
All right. How's it been? Fine. I mean, it's... Uh, I haven't really seen anything so far that it's like, oh, this is this is the best season. This is fine. Uh, how many seasons of Always Sunny are there? It's a lot. A fuckload. Yeah, a fuckload. I, yeah, I, I understand what you're feeling, because one of the biggest problems with, some, with American television is a show will just keep running until it stops making money. And... I think I think even they would agree. Like at some point, you you start having to like figure out how to like keep the show going at, in a way that makes it work. Yeah, and it's hard. Like the cast is probably still funny. The writing's still pretty good. It's just you're not. They can't all be bangers. <laughs> that exactly that. Yeah, and it's not bad. All things considered, it's just not my favorite, and that's fine. I, I will say the one thing about recent seasons that are great is that they it allowed them to start a podcast about talking about making the show. I love their podcast. I, I, I've only seen clips of it, but I, I, they, I love the clip talking about the old lady who was acting in that one episode. And they're like, God, they, they loved her so much. Yes. Because <laughs> she's like started acting when she was like in her 80s. <laughs> Just to play a granny, and they're like, she was delightful. We loved her. She's great. And the It's Always Sunny group, for the awful characters they play on the show, seem like really nice people outside yeah. of it. Like, I think it's always funny, because I always sort of say, like, people ask me, it's a smart, sh- It's Always Sunny is a, is a smart show about very stupid people. It's true. It's very true. Uh, my some of my favorite episodes include uh, Dayman, uh-huh. Fighter of the Nightman, uh-huh. uh, and also the episode where uh, uh, what what's the uh, what's his name? It's not D. It's D's brother, Dennis. Dennis, yeah, Dennis. I'm like I can't remember Dennis. I know it's D and Dennis. I just couldn't remember what the D name was. <laughs> where they, where Charlie finds their uh, fact that their one of their grandfathers was a Nazi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only because I always remember the last image of him looking at the photo, being like. <gasps> uh... My grandma's a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Dennis might be my favorite character. He is so horrible. But they're all horrible. Like that's that's one. Go on. Glenn Howerton needs to be in more shit because he is so good. Oh, who plays He's Mac? Masterful. Who plays Mac again? What's his name? Uh, Rob Rob McElhenney. He almost was Star Lord in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would then. I th- there is an alternate universe where it's him instead of Chris Pratt, and the world is probably a better place for a variety of other reasons that are just somehow tied to it. Like, it's a weird linchpin thing that just ends up happening. I... Z- Zaslav never him. buys Warner somehow. Like, it's, it's shit like that. It's like, has nothing to do with the casting. It's just what happens. I want him to be Star-Lord so bad. <laughs> and let's see. Uh, Charlie Day is really great. I always... I, the funniest part about learning is that, like, Charlie Day and the girl, his character, Charlie, is obsessed with were, like, already married by the time the show started. Yeah, he's married to the waitress in real life. I, I just like the thing, it's like when he proposed that role to us, it's like, I'm obsessed with you. It's like, I I know, honey, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but in like a sweet way. <laughs> Instead yes, of the really it's... weird, creepy way that Charlie on It's Always Sunny is like. It's it's cute instead of deeply unsettling. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I haven't watched It's Always Sunny in a long time, but I know you really like it. And I always I, and I always enjoy watching clips of it because it's always very the the good stuff from it is really good. I I'm not proud to admit it. I have absorbed some of Dennis's mannerisms just because I watch the show so much and I will catch myself talking in his particular cadence and way of speaking. Uh, we, we all do that. Uh, I, my, my one criticism is of it's always sunny is that there's two episodes. There's the good ones. And then the one where they're, and then the episode where the humor system loudly arguing at each other. Yeah. You, you could tell which one are the best episodes because the jokes are much snappier and there's a lot less, like, they'll argue, but it's a lot less, like, loudly arguing over each other. 
I get you. It's 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 a good way to tell like which episodes are the best ones. Yeah. What have you been watching, Strauss? Uh, not a whole lot, but I have been playing uh, since la- yesterday. Armored Core f- Six fires nice. Rubicon. I am now causing problems on purpose. <laughs> As you should. And how is the game? Um, mechtastic. Very good. It's very, it's been very fun. The one boss was angering me so much late last night until I switched weapons. I'm like, I've done it. I get it. You cracked the code. I, I looked it up. Yeah. Because I was, I was getting frustrated. I'm like, okay, that's it. And then I did zit. And I'm like, oh, this actually does work really well. I should be using this. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. I'm so proud. I, I listened to someone's advice and it worked. <laughs> but yeah, that is uh, what I've been playing. I've also gotten farther in Baldur's Gate 3. Which I, I'm starting to like notice the cracks now that the honeymoon phase is over. As and it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. Uh, they give you too many casters and not enough anything else. <laughs> Mm. You only get one skill monkey, and it, luckily it's Asterion, but it's just like, Asteri- if, it, if Asterion wasn't, it, I can't, you only get four party, active party members at any one time, mm-hmm. and it's you plus three others, and it's just like, but I want to take more peoples with me. Well, I'm glad that my pet twink is helpful. He's helpful, is he not? So, sorry, that's a different game with a different skill monkey who's also a problem. <laughs> that's Wrath of the Righteous. Those two would maybe get along. Maybe. I'm not sure. They're both definitely evil, but I feel like Asterion is not nearly the crazy person that Camellia is. I think it's kind of a coin toss whether or not they'd be friends. They either would absolutely get along with each other or they would... They're two hot, annoying hot people, so they probably wouldn't. <laughs> probably. And that's before they get into any any of their issues or problems. It's just like, ugh. They'll just be like, ugh. 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 I hate her. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it's, been, it's been great that two niche games are the talk of gaming right now. This is great. That is Jim Dandy. Yeah. And, uh... Anyway, I think this is a good spot to start wrapping up. Anything, uh, any other news you want to give us before we go? Sardarino, master of magic. Well, this this is coming out on Monday. I got a stream, uh, 6.30 Mountain Standard Time. Catch me on Twitch at Uncle Death, Uncle Death with a K. And, yeah, I'm also on Blue Sky now. Also on Uncle Death with a K. So follow me on there. We're both yeah. Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, now. we're on Blue Sky. Uh, I'm at Almighty Strauss on all things. I'm going to be streaming the ne- the day after this. And uh, yeah, I think this is a good point to also point out that the, we have a Patreon. We should be plugging that more often than we do. We do have a Patreon. <laughs> we, we, we never plug that. And it's like, you can actually give us $2 a month to help produce this podcast, which it's only that low because we're nice and because honestly we don't update it enough (laughs) it's two whole dollars and you can buy yourself some silly content to listen to like uh the time sardo got extremely drunk watching akudama drive yes and the time we watched speed racer and reacted live to it that 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 one i'm very happy with (laughs) and and you had to repeat the joke same joke three times because i fucked up on the recording three times (laughs) It was three times. And it was a good joke every time. Uh, I mean, it was a fantastic joke. Oh my God, he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, folks, thank you all for listening to our podcast. Subscribe to the Skeleton Crew Pro on Patreon.com if you want our extra content. We'll promise we'll be better about adding new content to it. We weren't going to do a live react to this because we just sat there. The, the, when we're watching things that are good, we have a tendency to not say anything. <laughs> it wouldn't have been interesting because mostly I was just either sitting there respectfully or I was headbanging. So. Or giggling. Or giggling. Depending on whether or not a joke was was present or not. Yes. That was basically me too. I was either sitting there being like, 
or nice or <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll, but we'll 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 try to have more content in the near future on the on the Patreon to actually make it worth subscribing to. We should really start putting up like the the work in progress through these things. I know you have the login info. It's it's pinned in our Discord. Yeah, I need to I need to start putting up more stuff too. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, thank you all for listening. Once again, you can follow Sarna at, at Autopsy Garlands on Twitter. And I believe also now on uh, Blue Sky is... No, you're Uncle Death on Blue Sky. I am Uncle Death on Blue Sky. Yeah. You follow two people. I, I follow... I, I, th- I think three people. No, yeah, it says two people currently. You're follow... Oh. No, you have two followers. You do follow three people. I am one of those three people. <laughs> yes. Yes, you I are. am one third of your content. Uh, I'm sorry there's no content on Blue Sky. My Blue Sky is waiting until I'm like 100% certain that it's going to be a thing thing. <laughs> yes. But in the meantime, folks, thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. And yeah. uh, stay brutal. Yeah, stay brutal. Stay metal, my friends. Peace. <laughs>